pads. Rolling sound, quiet. Speed. So you're starting looking Speeding. at the lens, right? Four five. Well, well, well. Episode three. Even when I listen to it today, my jaw hits the ground as I hear his stories. I mean, just thinking about 15 to 16 years old, that one year span and what I was doing at 15 to 16 years old. And in that moment of listening to it and and having that thought flash in my mind, I realized what today's producer's cut was going to be all about. So I'm going to say the word often, get comfortable with it. But this entire episode continually brought up the notion of perspective and context for me. More so perspective. I mean, I hear him talk about how he didn't think he had a rough childhood, how he felt loved, how he enjoyed his childhood. It was fun. But you hear the stories about the life in which he lived. I mean, we complain about so many things. Yes, I'm talking individually, including me, but also as a society, as a culture, And yeah, there's context in the fact that we have come, I won't say a long ways, but we've come a ways. So what's important to us is different than what was important to folks back when my dad was a kid, individually and collectively as a society. But could you imagine your first 16 years being his story thus far, his environment? Most people don't know what to do if they forget their phone at their house, let alone be sent on a bus with $45 to another state at the age of 15. It's also interesting how, for him, the biggest thing was family, having everyone there, and how we've advanced so much in society and technology, yet the family unit gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Hell, I remember growing up, I would ride to my friend's house on the bike, 7 o'clock in the morning, me and him would jump on bikes, we'd ride all around the city, two, three cities over, be gone all day, no cell phone, no money. No food, no nothing. We knew all of our neighbors, but I look around today, even in my own neighborhood. And now granted, I am in California in a big city where people are more about themselves than they are about the collective. I will, I will admit that. I've been in this house that I've been in for 11 years now. And we only know about two doors down each way and across the street. And then a couple random houses down the block, but not by name, never been inside their homes. But when you have less material stuff, when luxuries aren't at your fingertips and all these amenities, well, family's what's there. And that's what my dad got to experience. And luckily enough, because he's passed that love for family down to us and our family continues to grow, I get to share that. And it's funny, the only things I ever wish for my sons is that they grow up to be good people, including good people to themselves but that they also continue to have family barbecues with each other and they stay in each other's lives. Not like once a year. I mean, like they're always there for each other as best friends. Those are the only two things I hope for them. Everything else, it's their life. I also think about perspective when it comes to talking about how far we've come. Yet my dad will tell you the reason that we weren't a part of his family as much growing up was because they didn't like my mom, simply because she was not black. Sometimes we are our own worst enemy to ourselves and to our people. It's unfortunate. I have tons of family out there, like literally cities over, that I don't know, don't even know their names. I could walk right past them, wouldn't even know that they were family. And that's sad, but I still had fun growing up. And I wouldn't change it because I don't know what that would have been like, what that would have led to. And I like where I'm at. You know another interesting thing? As I was listening to my dad, I realized 
He never really thought about himself as a kid. He always thought about someone else. He's always thinking about his mom, his family, how he was happy for his sister that she gets to go live her dream up in Chicago. He never once said, you know, like, I deserve this or give me this. It was just live your life. Do you? And that might be in part because he just accepted life as it was. And my dad will always say, you know, it is what it is. And sometimes that can be annoying, but it's interesting. It puts you into a certain place where you can accept yet change. Right. So my dad always told me, for example, if you ever get caught by the police doing something you're not supposed to do, don't be an asshole. Don't be a jerk. Treat that person with respect. They're doing their job. You got caught. Get on with it. Get arrested. Do whatever you got to do and move forward. That's your fault. And he's right. But that also allows you to know I can change this if I want to. I'm choosing to accept this or I can choose to make it be something different and accept something else. Now, one thing I'm not sure anybody could accept is a 15-year-old sleeping in a junkyard in an old school bus. That's crazy. Could you imagine being homeless, not knowing anybody in a brand new state? But again, that brings me back to perspective. How can I take for granted anything? The fact that my dad's alive? That's a miracle in itself. And we haven't even gotten into all the stuff that went down while I was alive which is heavy enough for a podcast in itself. But as he started talking, I also remembered why I first hesitated to put this thing out, this podcast that we did outside of the family for the world to hear. I was worried about people's judgment. I was worried people would see my dad in a certain light, but I love my dad. And you could say you wouldn't do the stuff he did, or you could say, oh, I would do that too. But you never know until you're put in that situation. And also, you're speaking about it probably as an adult, not a 15-year-old mind. So again, perspective. You can judge him if you want. I don't care. Because I still have love for him and he's got love for me. And we're putting someone's real life out there when most people are scared to tell the truth about who they really are. So, for those who do judge, walk a mile in someone's shoes. Then make your judgment. Read the book first. Another point of perspective that just floored me. My grandmother couldn't read or write. She was never taught. But she lived into the 1990s. Could you imagine being old towards the end of your life, living through all those years in the bustling state of California at that point and not knowing how to read or write? It must have been tremendously difficult for my granny. I never really thought about that. I never really thought about how that could be a daily struggle. Think about all the things you read. All the different things you type on your phone or write by hand. To not be able to do that your entire life and raise 11 children. That's an amazing woman. That's all I got to say about that. And the last two things I got to say about this episode is I know what's in my dad's heart. And so I listened to him talk about at 15 with Chuck and Skeet knocking out white guys with one hitters. And that might feel really racist to some people. But again, perspective. My dad said it himself. He always felt like he was hitting the guy that he shot at who put his mom on a truck or some of the guys he would have to bow down to at home. When you're constantly belittled, put down, physically beat, told you can't do things, who would you expect him to take his anger out on? Perspective. I mean, hell, my dad essentially admitted to committing murder or attempted murder on the show. But he was a full-fledged criminal. 
There's no halfway with that. You're either all in or you're all out. Part of the reason I knew I never wanted to be a real criminal. Yeah, I had stolen stuff before when I was a kid or done things I wasn't supposed to do. But I knew that if I ever went that route, I'd have to go all in. My dad told me, you don't play criminal. It's not a game. So those type of stories don't surprise me. Because growing up, I watched my dad almost, you would say, as a recovering addict would. You got to be a recovering criminal. Try not to get pulled back into that lifestyle because it's so easy to just flip that switch. And that was an interesting thing my dad pointed out about himself. Dubbed himself the unpredictable one. And it made sense because he was so self-sufficient. And he had to endure so much. So you never really know what's going on in his mind or his heart. And at any second, things could change in a heartbeat. And I'm very much like my dad in that sense. I don't rely on very many people, sometimes to the detriment of myself. I don't ask for help. I just do what I do. I make things happen. And I'm a very kind and loving person. Compassionate. Empathetic. I've had multiple people say that I'm an empath. And I agree to a certain extent. But there is that switch in me where certain shit just doesn't bother me. If I have to take care of things, the way it has to happen is the way it has to happen, which can be a scary thing, but also a thing that makes you know you're never worried in a situation because you can always take care of yourself. And part of that has to do with my dad's upbringing and his upbringing of me and the things I went through, which we're going to get into pretty soon. So I close this whole thing out by reminding you about perspective. Before you make your judgments on other people, before you make your judgments about how we live as a society and a culture, before you're so quick to put someone down or lift another person up, put everything into perspective. Be grateful for what you have. Be grateful for that shitty car you got that gets you to work every day. Be grateful for that teacher that rode your ass all the time because they saw potential in you. Be grateful for the opportunity to be alone so that you can become your highest self. You can always reframe things. It just takes a second. You got to stop, stay still, breathe, and think. Perspective, my friends. I appreciate you. Much love always.